0: Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast with your host Cody Jansen. What's up, guys? Welcome to Episode 2 of the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, presented by CST Tires and hosted by myself, Cody Jansen. Man, I gotta gotta start by thanking everybody that reached out to us, uh, everybody that hit us with kind words, and um, all the support of the show. It was so much more than I originally expected, and the show ended up being probably even, even uh, more of a hit than I expected. We did... Really big numbers, four five-digit um, figures in the first show. And, the, man, the response was amazing. And all the riders, the top riders um, that, you know, were posting about the show and talking about it. And we got, uh, you know, all the subscribers and likers and um, just all the people that got behind the show. It was really cool to see people kind of uh, saying that, they were looking for something like this just as I was. So, um, yeah, that was really awesome. So, again, thank you for everybody that supported the show because um, it was something I was really nervous about. Like, you don't know if people are going to get behind what you're doing or if they're going to, you know, not support it, not think it's a cool idea. So, um, so yeah, again, um, here we are doing episode two, and I couldn't be more grateful if you're listening again um, that means we did something right in the in the first one, so again, I appreciate it so much and uh, I also got to thank our sponsors um our title sponsor c s d tires d i d racing chain evans waterless power sports coolant dp brakes and uh one hundred percent of their new Armega goggle out now um, I, I, we couldn 't do it without our uh, our sponsors here and uh can 't think can 't thank everybody that supports this show enough um, and it starts with those people that uh you know they came out from the beginning not knowing what this was going to be and um i think already most people are it's already surpassed what what some people probably thought uh was going to happen here so thanks to the sponsors thanks to you guys again and uh yeah so we'll start with the Evans coolant um sight lap segment and we got an awesome show tonight a different style show um Different style show than last week. We're going to talk about some of the racing from Sunset Ridge last weekend. Um, all kinds of storylines from the weekend, and uh, we're going to have some pretty cool guests with us tonight. Um, Two thirds of the pro podium is going to join us, and uh, so so really excited about that. And um, I was kind of thinking about um, other than what you hear on the podium, if you're in, you know, if you're watching the race in person, if you're at the event. Or, um, if you, if you're, uh, hearing like a a clip on the TV shortly after the, you know, when you see the replay on TV, but other than that, you don't hear much from these racers. Um, so I wanted to kind of sh- to give that to people with this show, um, and, I think you're going to find a lot of cool insight with uh with this, you know, what you hear from the racers, some of the things that they that they say following the races and it's not uh you know, so much podium talk like like you hear um so yeah, hopefully give you a little insight and uh it kind of makes you more intrigued about the racing, at least it does for me because um you listen to the way these guys think and that they're thinking about like normal things that, you know, we would think about and we're just, you know, maybe maybe average Joes. So uh so yeah, really excited about that. Um some really in, insightful and in depth uh race recap with Chad Weenan who's gonna rejoin the show. Um he was the feature in episode one. And uh and Cody Ford uh will join the show coming off his first pro podium in only a sixth try. So uh and and he's the first rookie pro. To get on the podium since 2011, so um, so yeah, really excited um, to 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 feature those guys tonight and uh, do some some race recap from last weekend at Sunset Ridge. But before we go into that, um, I want to introduce the crew that we got uh, here tonight. I got my producer to my right, Dallas. Uh, thanks for being here, and uh, and I guess I we got uh, what I would suppose is uh, is kind of a co-host tonight. Um, Tyler Hambrick, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Uh, couldn't be more pumped to get this thing going. I'm super uh, stoked that you got this podcast rolling. Uh, I know I was hounding you for weeks to get it going, and uh, I've just been uh, waiting for this to drop. and waiting for this moment. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, yes, yeah, we're pumped to have you. It's uh, It's cool because... Did, so, did I get you into podcasts? I was trying to remember how that went. Did I did I tell you, show you the podcast I was listening to, and that's how you yes. kind of got into podcasts? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yes,
1: I was, I was kind of a hater on it to begin with, but uh, I gave it a chance, and uh, man, I'm like hooked. I listen to that more than music when I'm driving nowadays, so you started a new thing.
0: Yeah, and I think that you kind of had the same thing, like you would have liked to listen to... You know ATV MX content, but there was none out there. So, I mean, I listened to all kinds of supercross and motocross stuff, and then I found that I cared more about that kind of racing because I was more educated.
1: Oh, for sure, that's how it was with me. Once I started listening to the podcast, you kind of get a backstory and like behind-the-scenes look at what really goes down at the supercrosses and that's what really like sparked my interest the most with supercross this year. I was kind of out of it for a couple of years, but I didn't miss uh very many this year and I was all gung ho about it. So I think the podcast definitely helped get people more interested in the racing in general. Also,
0: well, that's kind of, you know, I, I, like I said, it happened to me where I cared about the, the motocross and supercross, um, more than ever before. And I'm hoping that we can, that's what we can kind of do with this. um, you know, kind of going back to last week, like uh I don't know how somebody that listened to you know Chad's show and um how candidly and openly he talked about you know all that he's went through as a as a person as an athlete, and I mean good, bad, or indifferent, like, you're going to look at him differently after all the stuff that he said on here. You're either going to cheer for him even harder than before or if you were negative or neutral, like, you're at least going to, I mean, I guarantee he's got way more respect and anybody that listened to it looks at him differently than than they did prior to the show. Oh, uh,
1: for sure, I agree with that 100%. Uh, Just uh, some of the things that he spoke on, the emotion that he actually, like, let us in on I wasn't expecting because you never really me I Haven't been at the races and that even when I did race I didn't know Chad like that so hearing like his thought process and the emotion that he showed even on the show to let it out I think that was pretty cool and uh I want to see more of it for more racers
0: yeah yeah for sure and and I mean he's like the ultimate pro so like I mean I almost look at him like I look at uh top level like stick and ball sport athlete because he keeps all of his cards so close to his chest. Like you don't know much about his life. And it was so cool just to hear him open up about, um, about some of that stuff. It was awesome. He blew my mind to some of it.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have thought that a pair of socks was some good luck for him. I'm I'm a very superstitious person also. So hearing that, uh, you know, the top guy in the game has a little bit of that in him too. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was impressive. So before we get into his show too much, um, and talk about that from last week, um, gotta make sure everybody knows Tyler Hamrick was, uh, was, uh, AMA ATV Pro. We, we raced against each other for forever. Um, you won Rookie of the Year, right?
1: Yeah, 2013
0: yes. rookie of the year. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, you won two. Th- you were rookie of the year in 2013. I was rookie of the year in 2014. So uh, we back to backed it. Back to backed it. So, uh, so when you think back on your on your racing career, so you went pro in 13, and you raced through 15, 15. or 16. Okay. okay. Fifteen.
1: I did three years in the pro class 13
0: 14 and 15 and i mean and then people are going to also remember you from your days of dominating the a class and i mean you won a number of pro-am races as well
1: uh more uh i wish i would have won more but i got a few under my belt uh a lot of podiums a lot of fourth places man i feel like that'd been my average in the pro-am class a lot of a lot of misses on the podium but uh yeah, I definitely had a lot of fun in that Pro-Am class and the A-class, best years of my life for sure.
0: Yeah, so A-class you would have been, that was like 2010, 2011?
1: 2011, 2011 right? yes. Yep, yeah. 2011.
0: Yeah, I remember I remember those days because I was only going to a couple races a year at the time and I was in the A-class too. And uh, like, yeah, it was uh, like I was I was intimidated by you.
1: Oh, that's... Nah, that was, that was my glory days, uh, A class, man. I was, that was, I don't know what else I could say Oh, that was just fun racing, uh, on and off the track. I was riding hard, training all the time, uh, not too much of a care in the world. I didn't have too much responsibilities, just, uh, practice, ride hard and, uh, just do my thing, you know, and then adulting comes along. You gotta work a little bit harder at it, but man, but 2011, I, I gotta say that was the best best year of my life so far
0: yeah so then that next year um and and i'd consider you one of my very best friends but telling the listeners here in 2000 in 2012 um that was the frenemies that's yeah that's the year that we were both in uh in waldo florida and uh tyler hammy i refer to him as was across the pits living in 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 another trailer and Yeah, I was like, I don't like this guy. Like, he's intimidating. (laughs) I didn't like your profile picture on Facebook. I thought you looked uh, you looked like a tough guy, and uh, and then I think you messaged me on Facebook about about wanting to go run stairs or something.
1: Yeah, I put my pride aside and I thought, man, no no one that I'm with wants to go to the stairs. And I seen you because I always was scouting out the competition. I thought, man, maybe uh, maybe he want to go do some working out. So. I sent you that Facebook message, but I don't think we ever did get to running.
0: No, I think what happened um man, You left or something right after that. I left. I left like the very next day or I would have totally taken you up on that offer. Uh I was having some like terrible motor problems and stuff at the time. So I think I clutches. I, had, I had, yeah. Yeah. That was the story of my youth. Yes. <laughs> but you're uh the clutch king. <laughs> not anymore. But uh but yeah, so I, I had wrecked everything I had. And uh, I had to, I think I was headed, headed north. Um, so, yeah. So when you think of, I mean, it doesn't even matter. doesn't even matter what year at what stage, whether it's a class pro am pro, what, like what race stands out the most in your memory or as like the most notable race that maybe people would remember you for?
1: Oh, man. Um, Honestly, I think every race in 2011 when me and Dalton Milken raced, I think that was one to remember. Um, We were always checking out on the whole field and it was just me and him battling for the five laps that we got. So I'd say that or um, probably my first win, I think it was at Wildcat MX in Indiana in the Pro-Am class. I think that was on Mother's Day too. So I never got a win before at the Nationals on Mother's Day. So to cross that off the list in the pro-am class, to me, that's something I'm always going to remember. But also now that it just came to my mind, probably the win at Briarcliff was pretty freaking awesome because I could just see everyone from, uh, my home state cheering for me on the fences, the whole team. I remember the podium. I remember just everything was good vibes that day. And that was a hell of a race. Uh, I think it was me, Rostrelli, Cam Koval, and Ronnie Higgerson, just a four-way battle the entire time after a restart. And, uh, yeah, that was a pretty crazy race. But between them three, I have to say, were my favorites.
0: Okay, yeah, so um, I'll tell you. I'll give you one that that, uh, you didn't even give yourself enough credit for. You got um, a fifth in the pro class at Millville.
1: Oh yeah! Oh man, and that, that was
0: rough. It was I got fifth, a little lucky, but that was rough. It was fifth overall, too, right? Didn't you go like No, five? no, no! I
1: wish! I wish! Oh, okay. I, I only, I think after the first moto, I was so depleted. I I don't even think I wanted to go out for the second moto. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm that pretty sure I told everyone in my beat. pits. Yeah, I was beat. Uh, that track, I don't like the sand, and I think I went five eleven that day for. Like a 7th overall, 8th overall, something like that. But. but
0: still, top 5 in the in the class in a moto like that. I just remember, like, they, I came off the track because I, I finished somewhere near the top 10 or something. And um, they told me that Hammy got 5th. And I'm like, what? Because, like, for people that don't know, you do good on hard pack tracks. Like, hard yes, packs, yes. cornering. Fast tracks. Hammy is the man and uh for you to do it on the roughest track of the year I, I couldn't believe it oh
1: yeah and i wasn't in any uh great shape at that point in time or or that whole year so i was holding on there was probably a couple times that moto i should have fell off the bike
0: but uh
1: i got lucky on that one so
0: yeah yeah so um so taking it back just to just a tick so yeah so in 2012 we were frenemies and uh and then in 2013, was that the year that you stayed with me in Florida? We stayed together? Oh,
1: yeah. Yep. That's when we linked up. We went, I think, February, early February, and we stayed February and March. And yeah, next thing you know, we're living together and uh, going grocery shopping, going running, riding. That was a fun
0: time, man. Yeah, that was great. I, uh, And it's still like, it's not like we were like really tight prior to that. It was just... No. I didn't have anybody to stay with me in Florida and you didn't have anybody to really stay with or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of worked out like, Hey, we're going to do this. And, uh, we
1: got to get out of the snow and go riding.
0: Yeah. So that was, I guess, where the, where the, where the friendship really started. And, um, a couple other of the memories that I have with you then. So in 2000 and pretty much most of them are maybe from 2012, Um, that would have been the year prior to us staying together, but at Muddy Creek, we were like racing pretty hard in a heat race and pro-am we were first and second. And I think you had, I think, yeah, I think you had better pace than me. Uh, I was
1: coming. I was, I was trying to get you at every damn corner. I'm not even (laughs) lying.
0: Well, I had ITPs on, on the hard pack, So that, that was, that was my, that was my problem. But, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, so then, uh man, I can hear Tyler all over me and all of a sudden he's gone and come to find out his tire fell off and that ended, that ended his race. And then there was, then there was a big fight, I think, between, uh, between you and dad about who didn't tighten the tire or something, right?
1: Yeah, that was, that was on me for, that was rare incident. You see me work wrenching on the quad, especially before a race. And, uh, we're probably putting some new Hoosiers on and I, on left side of the quad, putting the just finger tight at the lug nuts, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go uh, do my thing, you know, I'm going to go be cool, get ready for the race, get in the zone, and I just left thinking, you know, Dad's going to walk around and tighten him up, but well, he just put the Harold Goodman on, and I think I did last, like, two laps, and it's a good thing it fell off where it did, or it could have got ugly,
0: but yeah That was all my fault, yeah, yeah, thankfully, it didn't come off on a landing, yeah,
1: yeah, the me and my dad worked that one out. He said, uh if you're gonna start the job, you gotta finish it, so that was uh full responsibility on me,
0: yeah, yeah, so then so that was two thousand and twelve. I remember another one at uh balances we were racing mm-hmm. pretty hard, and that one was the opposite. I passed you in that race, and uh you just about died in the whoop section, held on it. It's a pretty iconic yeah. picture of that, but that one was special for me because we were we were both second. on the
1: podium. Yeah, yep. we were
0: second and third overall, and uh, that was behind Cody Gibson. So that was basically basically like first first and second for for you and I.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was that was yeah. He's a legend. I mean, I I'd say the best pro rider ever.
0: No, nah, I so. agree. I agree. We weren't. You weren't shooting. You weren't shooting to win back then. You were shooting to uh, to get second because yes Uh, i mean 99.9 percent of the time he was he was gonna win that race and then i uh i remember 2015 we were gonna both be on the podium at muddy creek and Mm -hmm. your bike blew up or something leading yep Yep. and uh, and then i took over i think i was in second at the time and made a pass for the lead janus ended up passing me on the last lap but i got on the podium that day but kind of bittersweet because uh you were supposed to be up there with me and and didn't make it
1: yeah we would have went one two that day too
0: i know it yeah and i remember um daytona maybe that same year maybe it was the first year of the daytona supercross
1: yep 2015 Yep. And
0: you and i were like really close like we were like 10th and 11th i think yep yep and uh i remember this so vividly because um we were getting lapped. We oh got, yeah, we
1: were. We got yep.
0: lapped by Chad, by Chad and or maybe Natalia. And others too. I yeah. remember others. Okay. So anyways, <laughs> I I hate admitting this, but we got lapped. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh I kind of gave like pulled over to like yep. not pulled over, but I gave way <laughs> to the leaders.
1: <laughs> it was I remember this clear as day too cuz I was so pumped. And you
0: came blasting by me. You came yeah, blasting was... by me and took away 10th and they they yep. of my top 10. Yep. So yep, I remember
1: that Natalie was screaming and I, I looked back and I see him and I thought, "Oh, well, I got to get out of my out of his way before he moves me." So as soon as he went by, I just tailed on to him cuz I knew you were going to end up letting him by too cuz that's what we were supposed to do, blue flag. So I just pounced on that and I I kind of got lucky again on that. So I do remember that like like it was yesterday.
0: Yeah, so I just yeah. After thinking about it, you know, thanks, but no thanks. See ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Top. Uh, uh, top ten. First Daytona Supercross. Not bad. Yeah. But... Yeah. Thanks for doing that to me. I, I've reconsidered this whole having you on the show thing. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. So. A lot of good memories, a uh, lot of, I mean, you're a legend back in the Ohio area and people still talk about your riding style to this day. So I really appreciate you coming on and, um, I know you're, you're pumped to talk ATV motocross and the bench race with me. So, uh, yeah, really, really appreciate it. So let's start by, we'll, we'll touch on Chad's show, uh, for a little bit here just because it was so long. There were so many things I kind of wanted to draw attention to, um, at the end of his show and I didn't really get to. So, um, like I said, for anybody that that listened to it, man, there's no way that you don't respect the shit out of that guy. Um after after listening to that, I there was like I said so many cool things um that he exposed that I didn't really know. Like I wasn't sure how politically correct he was going to wanna be, and he didn't really hold back when, you know, when talking about Natalie or Um, you know how bad he wanted to beat him or even now like he didn't say anything bad about about any of any riders necessarily but
1: yeah no uh, shape to run at all no
0: no but he was really real I thought too like you know he talked about like you can't really be that close with Joel Hetrick because they're racing so hard for each other he needs that chip on his shoulder and I thought it was really cool to just hear him be so real um, about that so like what what did you enjoy most about about what he had to talk about?
1: Uh, off the bat, I kind of got a chuckle when he said, "Uh, Mark Baldwin was a tight cookie." That uh, that definitely cracked me up.
0: Yeah, you we texted, all know that's true. Me.
1: I love Mark, but yeah,
0: you texted me when you were listening to it and said, that, yep. that was the first thing you commented on." I'm pretty sure.
1: Mm-hmm. So I thought that was funny. I love Mark, but that's. That's the truth. Um,
0: hey, how about the Lucky Socks, though?
1: Lucky Socks, that was crazy. I thought it was pretty wild just to show or uh, what he said, how mad and upset he was at Red Bud when he known that he got spun out. I think he said first or second corner.
0: I was a little surprised he went there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, w- I, was, I was too. So, I, But I thought that was cool because, I mean, we all know how it is. If you lose a big race or you, you think you messed up, you know you're in the trailer salting about it. So we all do it. So I thought that oh, was no kind of cool.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: But uh, that and uh, probably the testing was Suzuki. I thought I've never tested anything before. So hearing him talk about just the time he had to adjust to that LTR, I think he said like a week and a half, two weeks. And he said they are changing just everything. And I'd like to talk to him more just about that. I could ask a million questions on how, you know, something like that would go down because in quads you don't see, you don't see that anymore.
0: Yeah, I had a handful of questions, you know, I wished I would have asked him maybe a little more in depth. Like I would have liked to have known um when he talked about like going to the gym prior to any of any even even being a, you know, a top rider. He talked about like going to the gym after work. You know, I would have liked to have known what he was, you know, what he was doing at the time for for work and stuff. Um but I really like i really wanted to expose the story that i knew and remembered of how he went from being one of us being a guy who's in the top 10 you know fast fast rider but he went from being a top 10 guy to being a race winning and then earning a factory ride guy in one off season it just blows my mind
1: Yeah, average guy to a guy that was feared by factories and they needed to grab him. So so that's pretty crazy.
0: It's remarkable. It really is. And then the other thing that, um, and I didn't know the extent of it, but I knew that it was something that he did. And I thought I really wanted to make sure it made the show um, was how he's his own mechanic, you know, like building his own bikes. He's got his hands on every piece of the four-wheeler, including the internals and building the the engines on them. Um, and piecing them together like i think that that's incredible just because you know you don't and you don't see that like think about all the different stuff that he's managing um i thought that that was pretty darn impressive
1: yeah you got to be able to not only stay in good shape and ride and get your motors in but i mean you got to wash the bike oil and then prep a race bike and just have all that stuff going on in your head and then worrying about you got a family now so how him and his wife and kid are gonna get to the track all that that's uh that's a lot to uh a lot to handle as a pro racer not only a pro but like the goat the number one guy so i couldn't imagine uh being that i, I didn't work on my stuff so what he was doing crazy
0: yeah yeah it's like i said it's pretty remarkable and to be that he's like his own mechanic, he said he's he does all the wrenching was his quote, and then to think that he's got the best program in the sport, I mean he hasn't had a DNF in seven years, and that's still going that like like I said, that's just remarkable, and I had mentioned in the show um, you know he's the truck driver, he's the rider, he's the you know he's training himself in the gym, he's the mechanic. He's the PR guy. I mean, I'm sure Danica helps him with a lot of stuff, and he's got, you know, he said he's got a tight group, but think about all the stuff on his shoulders, and he's I mean, he's still won six of the last seven championships. It's, it's, it's amazing. Crazy. He's, he's a living legend, and I knew he had, like, the rarest, coolest, most impressive story, and I wanted to, I mean, it was never even a question that I wanted him to, to be on for the very first episode and get that coverage because I think he deserves it because like I said, he was one of us and now he's, I mean, he's, he's the best
1: for sure. Yeah. He was, he was my first vote for the uh, podcast. So that was pretty cool to see that he uh, agreed and was so cool to come on and give us what we wanted.
0: Yeah, for sure. So can't, again, I was just so grateful. I was so nervous before it started and uh I just wanted it to be perfect and wanted to make sure he knew how professional and I was taking it and how grateful I was for his time and uh he never wavered. He just sat and we bsed, would and it was uh it was a really impressive really impressive deal and and I was he was so gracious with his time. I was just so grateful for it. So uh yeah, anything else you want to touch on that that impressed you about his show? Um I liked
1: when he was talking about uh battling with John, Natalie when they were on the Can-Am days. I thought that was uh pretty cool. I think everyone from the outside in seen and knew about that drama that was going down, but I think that's still pretty cool. I like seeing that kind of stuff. I like seeing uh intense racing and stuff like that it makes for just makes for good racing, good stories all around. Well, um,
0: and it's it's unique now because there's not there's not that kind of factory support anymore. So you don't have two guys that maybe fighting over a spot next year. And you don't have the two guys that are maybe aren't the best of friends going back Mm -hmm. to the same trailer after the race. And back then far from friends. Yeah. They were going back to the same rig, you know, in the years after that, um, when they're, when they weren't riding for the same team, I mean, they might have a run-in on the racetrack, but then they go back to their to their own rigs, and yeah. you don't see any more. Well, they had to go back to the same rig and, you know, hash, hash it, it out. Hash it out right then and there. Exactly, yeah. And I was also – I would have liked to ask him, um, you know, because Ryan Cox, you know, was the first one to say um, – it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's gonna be all right. That was crazy. And, and then for it to come full circle and have Ryan go with him from Suzuki to Kawasaki, and then and then go from uh, yeah and then go from Kawasaki to Can Am, and then walk from Can Am and go to Chad's own program. And yeah, he that's was, pretty crazy. He was obviously an integral part in developing that Yamaha. So I mean agreed it was really impressive and now then he went on you know now he's in the dirt bike world and yeah wasn't re- he working for tld yep that's exactly right yeah yep. and, I, and I mean, he might big still name be team I know in the dirt bikes. he's still with a factory dirt bike team or, or a top dirt bike team i don't know if it's the same one but um definitely
1: a guy that chad wanted to have and needed to have in his corner that's I just, for sure
0: i just thought it was impressive i don't know what the dynamic was but he was he must have been impressed enough with Chad that I mean he followed Chad as Chad mm-hmm. went, so that was pretty cool. we believed in him. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was with the Suzuki year, and he so he talked about that that digger Doug had a a clause in his contract that if he won the championship or was top three, I think that's yeah. what it was if he was top three in the championship that he got to stay on with Suzuki for another year. Well, think about it if that doesn't happen and Wienin, um is able to stay on Suzuki, I mean, that literally could have changed the course of of ATV motocross as we know it because if Chad starts winning on a Suzuki, I mean, maybe Suzuki was in it for way longer than they ended up being or maybe they were still in it today. You know, who knows? That, that With, would have been
1: sweet. Well, think That's about it. Sure.
0: I mean, it, I guarantee he changed the course of Yamaha's approach. Yamaha yeah, had, had yeah. never won an a an AMA Pro uh, ATV motocross title. They had never won one until Chad. Well, I mean now they're they're six uh, six of them. Now they've won six of them, and um, without Chad, that doesn't happen. So, um, and, and they're the only real factory that's still continuing to develop still um, and support
1: our sport too, that's what so. i'm
0: saying and, and you got to credit that to chad i would think yeah
1: yeah chad and thomas man i think those, those are the two guys i think of when i hear yamaha those, those
0: two guys so and it was pretty cool that chad started on a yamaha banshee you know pretty
1: oh that is cool kind of another that, thing i just thought of not to cut you off what about when he said that uh he got that suzuki deal and he did all the testing he got it dialed into the best of his liking that he could and that i'm pretty sure he said that first race he ended up checking out and he had another he boiled the fuel on it and he was just thinking oh my god like not again
0: you're exactly right that was at uh we were in georgia that was the wpsa race yeah and i i remember um i remember he was almost like a mystical figure because before that he was on his privateer Honda. Honda. So you just pictured yep. him. I just knew of him from the pictures of him on his Honda, and then, man, I see him in the first time qualifier on Ripping. you know his his beautiful Suzuki, and he's got all this perfect color coordinated gear, and uh, yeah, I mean he, like I said, I was cheering for him at that point because you're cheering for like. The, the underdog. The underdog. Guy. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So I thought that was uh, really cool. And, you know, that's how, like, we live in a culture where we build you up to tear you down. Um, yeah. That's just what you do. Like, we cheer for, I think, Americans in general. We cheer for people when they're the underdog, and then we want to see them fail. And yep, um, yep. I hope that the podcast kind of helped because I think – just the general consensus maybe is that hey, Chad's won enough, uh it's somebody else's turn. And I mean, like Yeah. Know, it's it's I agree with that. I got my, my I, point is like let the best man win, but Chad's story is a guy you want to cheer for. And while we're on the topic of Chad, let's hear from the reigning champ after his second win of the season this past weekend at Sunset Ridge. Brought to you by D I D Racing Chain and their five twenty ATV two chain. So joining us after, uh, after stretching his lead in the championship this weekend, uh, friend of the show, Chad Weenan. Um, yeah, Chad, thanks for coming. Uh, welcome back. Appreciate
2: it. Yeah. Thanks, Cody. And man, (laughs) crazy weekend weather was out of control. And, you know, we, (laughs) we were able to pull a, pull a cat on the hat and have a nice overall win for the weekend.
0: Yeah. Talk about the, talk about crazy weather. I mean, and you guys kind of got, a little bit of everything the second moto wasn't quite as wet maybe but it was deep and got pretty rough and uh it looked like mother nature had all kinds of curveballs she was throwing at you
2: yeah the the first moto kind of reminisced of like 2008 walnut race where we did just one moto
0: yeah I in the mud that.
2: yep and I remember that 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 rates up in one of those crazy motos where it was a complete survival and you know a lot of water crossings and man in front of the mechanics area along the whole shot that was like so sloppy and so hard to keep your machine going straight through was (laughs) that was a challenge in itself right there so you got
0: you came out of the of the whole shot like um uncharacteristically pretty far back right
2: yeah yeah they they held the gate like pretty long and like like the way I engaged my clutch and in getting ready for the gate to drop I was getting my clutch pretty hot anticipating the gate gate drop and man it felt like forever till it dropped and I had to forefinger my clutch to uh, pull it all the way in and by the time I got all the way in it the gate dropped so I was I was way late on the gate and Uh, had to eat a lot of move straight away so
0: (laughs) I I saw that I saw the video now that you say that uh yeah the bike was all upset so yeah um so yeah you came across I don't know where where you exactly started you came across the line seventh after the after the first lap and uh making that many moves um in a mud race isn't easy so I knew I mean it was it was going to be must see tv to see what you were going to do there
2: yeah that was like I knew it was going to be a A tough race just because of the vision you know the whole issues that we had there and I mean I don't know I mean there could have been a couple riders that did finish with their goggles but like where I started I I took on way too much mud and I had to ditch them pretty early I was very I was about ready to pull in for a goggle swap but I couldn't I didn't I couldn't tell if my brother saw me like signaling like for me to come in or not, so I just kept circulating and uh, slowly picking people off and working my way back up to the front.
0: So you didn't have your goggles for for you know, most of the race.
2: I want to say I, I ditched them on lap four.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: So It was, it was a long race, and I had I probably had like four guys still in front of me. Yeah,
0: that's that a that tough I, that's a tough thing to, to get on on. Uh you know on track with your mechanic there because you got to hope that he's ready for it and if you're not this that could turn yeah. into a long pit stop
2: yeah and that was the thing like i should have talked to him about it before that if i did like i'm going to signal to you and you know we le- lear- still learning things you know just
0: <laughs> well in a, um, a mud race your your uh mind is kind of racing before the before the gate drop because there's so much going on and you're kind of like planning for different things and i mean that at least me at least that's what i'm kind of thinking i'm kind of thrown off just because i'm worried about different stuff
2: yeah the prep is unreal for it and the more time you have the more time you prep for it you know like we didn't have our second qualifier so we um we started prepping so we had a really good mud prep going to that first moto and you know i think that's why our machines didn't have any issues since the ride
0: so um a, a person next to me while we were watching the race was trying to tell me that you were monitoring something on your machine and to me it looked like you were just putting your head down because of <laughs> the roost and this person yeah. thought that you were like watching your motor or something and to me everything sounded good it was just that you were putting your head down so did you have anything yeah. going on there or was it just you blocking yeah. the mud
2: that was me just blocking the because i didn't have any goggles and you know i mean we we have like our template on our machines on our dash okay so like i constantly keep an eye on that because you know once you see that template come on you got to you gotta be gentle on the machine. So
0: Okay. So you are um, monitoring the temperature.
2: I am monitoring the temperature but not I don't have to like put my head down to, to see it, you know. Right, just, right, right, yeah. I just keep my it's a bright red light on our dash and you know, you can you can see it pretty easily.
0: And were as you were coming through the pack, were you worried about um like the water, you know, spraying up at you? Because I was the motor right before you guys. Yeah for for a lap I wasn't in the lead and I thought the same thing I thought man I can't take on this this water roost or it's going to stop me in my tracks
2: Yeah I mean like I paced myself around the track and I knew where the bad roost zones were so I separated I gave myself space in those areas and I pressured in the other ones
0: Okay yeah cuz that was I'm watching this this race unfold and it's so long and I thought the same thing I thought man there's so much water flying you have to uh you have to be careful that you don't let your machine suck that up so uh and and i'm sitting there thinking about the conversation we had on episode one about you never having a dnf and there's all this water out there and somebody next to me saying chad's monitoring the bike because something's going on and i'm like man i hope we didn't jinx
2: it yeah like um after the moto like i'm Getting off the machine quick, I pull the air filter off, and we, we had some water splash in our intake. Okay. And um, so I quick grabbed a towel and, you know, kind of see how far up in there it got, and it didn't get in to the main intake track. Okay. So I was like, okay, like, we're good. And the machine didn't miss a beat, so we carried on with our engine in it and, you know, gave it a quick wash and then prepped. And then we gave it another wash again because you know it kind of when it settles that everything just kind of slowly falls down in the machine and yeah you find stuff that you missed and absolutely we we got to get a nice prep for the second moto and uh, got a good gate good gate at really good gate and I got a good uh, drop on the gate and we pulled out there nice and Thomas snuck around us on the outside but uh, I just kind of paid myself off of that for a while I was kind of watching, seeing where Joel was, and I was content finishing behind Thomas that moto and not taking a chance of, like, abusing my machine too much to try and get around him and take on the roost. And I saw Joel starting to catch Jeffrey, so I started to pressure Thomas again. And that's when uh, Thomas, right before the finish line, he took a line that I showed him, that I showed a wheel on him the lap before, and he went for it, and that's when... Brandon Hogue was stuck in there with the flagger down there. It was a whole, all sorts of mess. And I didn't know it until after the race when he explained it to me because I was like, man, did you get stuck down there or what? Like, I didn't see you come out of the turn. And he's like, no, man. Like, <laughs> he was pretty upset. You know, he he had a really good chance of winning that moto. But, you know, when things are going, going in the right direction, they're going. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so I, yeah, I watched that exact way you described it unfold you took the outside line thomas took the inside line and you just about got him yeah and that was yeah. on. The, that would have been going on to the second to last lap so the next lap thomas darts to the outside which what seemed was like at the last second he darted outside to cover that line that you just uh yeah. just showed him and yeah i was actually told today so there sits brandon hogue and his motor was blown up so yep. he couldn't he had nowhere to go and I mean easy pass for you. But yeah, I I was in my head I was thinking, Chad, if he goes outside again, he's gonna be the one that's stuck. So it was kind yeah. of uh just wrong place, wrong time for Thomas.
2: Yeah, I I told Thomas too, I'm like, Man, if you didn't go there, I was gonna go there, so and I didn't see Ho broke down or anything there and I was like, Man, just bad luck and yeah, I mean a flagger's not supposed to do that but I mean who's who's to say you know what you would have done if you were him in the moment
0: absolutely absolutely but that's a that was a blind jump so
2: yeah yeah. uh that was that was
0: tough so yeah so 2-1 for the overall at your home track that had to be had to
2: be huge for you yeah yeah it definitely was and you know a lot of people came down even in the rain and cheered us cheered, cheered our team on and we got a great overall win and Man, just coming over that finish line, everybody cheering for you, there's nothing like it
0: yeah and and like you mentioned last week, uh kind of kind of righted uh what happened last year for Laken's birthday for his first birthday. Yep. you got the win, so that that had to be pretty cool too and uh and on Father's Day weekend,
2: yeah, yeah, it was very big, and you know I knew, and uh actually a little motivation to go get that win for him and you know, I I didn't feel like obviously leaving the track last year in 2018 and getting a you know getting beat at my home track and both motos and but you know obviously we had I had a bigger bigger plan that day so yeah I had a baby boy and you know this year's number first birthday and got him a win
0: yeah yeah that so that was uh you kind of mentioned that you maybe wanted to like I said kind of make that a little bit better memory for his first birthday so uh so that's awesome so yeah now you're now you're up 28 points headed into unadilla and you haven't been um you've admitted that you have more power coming out of that yamaha now than in some of the years past so um is that kind of like a feather in your cap headed into unadilla which is probably the most you know it's called the home of horsepower so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So how, how yeah. do you get more, more confidence because of that? Maybe,
2: I mean, just more confidence coming off of a win and yeah, our, our, my machine's running really good and I got it handling the way that I want it. You know, like I feel like I'm one with the machine and you know, when, when you have that combination, it's a, it's a tough thing to beat. And I, I'm i sure Joel's feeling the same way going into that round. He's had a lot of success there. So have I, but I mean, I'm just going to pick my battles from here on out and, you know, obviously I want to get wins, but, you know, that, that's a, you know, that's, it's going to be determined on, you know, race day moments coming out of the gate. I rip a whole shot and you know, I'm going to go for it and, um, cause you know, Joel's going to try and get any way for me to slip up. And <laughs> so I'm going to focus on what I got to do and, you know, pick my battles.
0: Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, um, and one other thing that, uh, that I just thought of as you were talking there was you said you found something in the weeks prior to this last round. Do you think that that, um, you know, the, the little bit of change that you found, did that, did that help you this past weekend?
2: Oh, certainly. I mean, Whenever you have tough conditions like that, where you have, if you have just one slip up and you get out of the main line, kind of like her Scully did, and you lost seven spots. Right, yeah. And, you know, when you have a machine that handles exactly the way you want it and you point it where you want it to go, I mean, it it's a game changer.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you, uh, you executed in such tough conditions, like I said, the first moto, running up through the pack, which is not an easy thing to do in conditions that were as bad as that one, which those conditions are about as bad as you're ever gonna see for a motocross <laughs> race. And uh and then yeah, in the second moto you just bided your time and I thought that maybe you were gonna kinda settle for second, like you said, and um pressured Thomas at the end and found yourself in the you know, in the in a place to make a move and that's what you did. So congratulations. Uh oh one other thing that uh that I wanted to ask was so the the people that saw the race would have saw Thomas's roll offs coming apart this whole huh. the whole second moto, and I swear they were like slapping you in the face and they were like all up on you. I mean, is that something that that you were even paying attention to or?
2: Yeah, like a couple <laughs> times I would just kind of hang back like away from them so it wasn't like streaming across my face. Right. Yeah. And you know, a couple times I. I thought, like, my tires are going to run over these things and rip it out. Yeah. And, you know, it never did. But um, right before Thomas actually, right before we came down to that turn where he got stuck in the outside, yep. he ripped his goggles off because they started to tug on his face and, like, try to pull his goggles off his, like, rip his head back. <laughs> oh, wow. And so he he ripped him off, and I just about passed him because he was trying to pull him off, going down that, like, big anthill. Okay, yep. And, like, and I thought that that kind of screwed up his concentration, maybe going into that outside, and that's why, like, I thought he got stuck or something.
0: Oh, I see. But, yeah. Yeah, I – and it seemed like it just kept getting longer and longer, and it looked like it was like a streamer right in front of your face the whole moto. So oh, I, I, I can reach out and
2: grab it Oh, no doubt. Times. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Chad, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Congrats on the win, and uh, hopefully you can keep this thing, uh, keep the momentum headed into Unadilla.
2: Yeah, thanks, Cody.
0: So, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us. I appreciate it, and uh, good luck in New York. So that was your winner from Sunset Ridge, Chad Weenan, and uh, we have Cody Ford coming up, who is third overall. But before we hear from him, a quick word from our sponsors. First and foremost, a huge thank you to CST Tires, csttires.com, for coming on as the title sponsor. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics. Of the countless riders I've turned on to CST Tires, not a single one has been disappointed. Join the takeover and upgrade to CST today. Our featured guest is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This patented X-Ring Racing Chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, setting the standard and making it the optimal ATV Racing Chain. Pick out the ATV2 chain at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go DID. We are also supported by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Our site Lab intro segment is brought to you by Evans. The best Power Sports Coolant on the market, Evans Coolant prevents boil over so you never have to pull over or worry about your engine no matter what the conditions. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more. Use what the pros use. Choose Evans today. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rostrelli, Nick Janusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV Motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP Brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. Finally, our fan question segment is brought to you by 100% and their new Armega Goggle out now. Thanks to those guys for the support and supplying us with awesome 100% giveaways, not to mention the new goggle that is setting the standard in moto. Now back to the show. As promised, your third place overall finisher at Sunset Ridge, here's Cody Ford. All right, guys, so joining us is Ford Brothers Racing's Cody Ford coming off his first podium as a professional um, in only his sixth attempt, which is amazing. So uh, yeah, welcome to the show.
3: Um, thank you for having me, Cody. It's awesome to be on here.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's man, it, it's uh we're grateful to have you. So uh hey, are you still on cloud nine? Does somebody gotta pinch you? Like has it sunk in yet what you did last weekend?
3: Oh, it's definitely sunk in a little bit and like every time you know we do another moto or something it always sinks in and then, I know Thomas is probably not really liking this week a little because <laughs> I keep like just living on Cloud Nine about it and he didn't do too well but he was just, you know, he's pumped for me, too, though. So it's kind of been good for both of us, I guess.
0: Yeah, from the outside, that looks like a really cool dynamic uh, because I don't think we've ever seen that um, side of Thomas before, like where he's kind of got somebody under his wing. So that's really cool. Like you said, I'm sure he's wishing that that was him, but uh, he's happy for you at the same time. So, uh, so yeah, So, so tell us about the weekend. Like the conditions were – we're sketchy. Um, like, what were you thinking about before before Moto 1 when the, the rain's coming down and there's standing water? And Like, uh, do you think of yourself as a good mud rider? Um, I just really don't think anything about the
3: mud. I just try to ride it smart and ride it good. And I think I'm pretty good in the mud, but I don't think I'm the best mud rider. I mean, I would say Thomas is better than me. And then with Joel, who had been working on his setup all that weekend, I was kind of nervous about him coming in there. But we came into that first turn, and Thomas told, us, told me before the moto, he said, whatever you do, the most important thing's the first lap. Where you finish the first lap is where you'll probably finish the race. And we came into the first turn. We got around the first turn. I pulled my second set of goggles off, and all I saw was the number 28 in front of me. And I was like, oh, and so was Hogue in front of me as well at that time. And so we came in there, and we got to the bottom of the hill, and Hogue made a mistake because he was running small tires, and we were running big tires. And then it was just me, and Jeffrey, and I followed Jeffrey. Jeffrey made a mistake by the finish. I almost passed him there. And then right at the start of the second lap, before that step up that you guys can't see the backside of, Jeffrey came in there a little too fast and blew out of that race rut that was there. And I just came in slow and made that rut work and just really was trying to ride smart and not throw anything away.
0: Yeah, so then, so like you said, you ripped a killer start. You find yourself in second on the first lap. And, uh, yeah, Jeffrey buried his four-wheeler on the kind of the side of that jump, tabletop, step-up thing. And uh, all of a sudden, you're in the lead in a pro race. Like, to, like did it hit you or were you just going through the motions? Like, uh, like, hey, I'm leading a pro race right now. What were you thinking?
3: Well, I was thinking that the only guy who really could, like, even get anywhere near me and I wasn't really nervous of him because I trained with him every day was the only guy who was good in the mud that I knew was Thomas and I'm like well if Thomas is going to try to catch me I knew we had contact in the first term me and Thomas did so I knew he was a ways back there in the pack so I just put my head down and kept going and I was I led one lap and then I was like holy cow just keep riding and I did two laps and I was like is there are like are they all break or where are they at and then I did three laps and still no one and then we did that fourth lap and then Joel came around this like a bullet and i was like holy cow how do you make that line work chad got us in the same spot that i got jeffrey because i made the same mistake jeffrey did and then we just i kind of got the third and just rode there pretty good
0: yeah it was it was pretty impressive though because you could just tell in your riding um like you were comfortable where you were at you know you you were riding like a rider that earned you know the third place finish which was Pretty incredible. So then after that moto, so you you finished third. I mean, it had to be like pure jubilation um, at that point already because it wasn't third overall, but you still finished on the podium in a moto, um, which is amazing. So going into the second moto, what were you thinking then? Like were you thinking now there's pressure on you to to pull off an overall or was it kind of just go do this thing again?
3: It was kind of just, let's go ride this bike. But the the thing that was more stressful about it was that we had third gate pick because, you know, pro gate pick. We had 11 in the first one. Then we got that good finish. We got third gate pick. And the bike started cutting out on on, like, the last two laps. And the track was so muddy that no matter how well you taped it, it seemed like water found a way in those bikes. And we had sucked water into the motor, and, like, it was in the carb, and it built up in the carb. So Jody and my mechanic, Skyler, and I think Zane Baird helped him out a little bit, were swapping the motor as, you know, in between motos, and you only get 30 minutes to do it. And we were, the five-minute horn's going off, and they're still trying to put antifreeze in the thing and tighten bolts up. And it's, like, just drives, you know, your stress up a little bit, but you just got to let them do their thing because they're the best at what they do. But.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you can't worry about that and worry about the riding. Um, so... I had mentioned this prior to us recording this segment, but so I watched the start of Moto 2 and I'm obviously totally zoned in, tuned in on what you're going to do here because, um, I mean, you got this third and the first Moto. It's amazing. So I want to see what happens. And, uh, the start of the second Moto, you're, you know, back towards the 10th position somewhere, give or take a little bit. So tell us, tell us what happened on the start and then, you know, what you're thinking. You had to be thinking, get, as many guys as fast as you can.
3: Um the start of the second race was kind of just we didn't really clear out one side of the gate good. So when we launched the bike hooked up on the right side and didn't hook up as well on the left side so she angled and I almost drove into the side who was ever next to me. So I backed off a little bit to get back straight and then by the time I got back going I think we were in 10th or 11th. And then I came around the first turn and I was like, "Well crap, I got to get all the way to 6th or 7th or better." to be anywhere near podium so I just was like all right I got my work cut out and then we go into turn two at the bottom of that hill and Alan was sideways and there was three guys piled up behind him which really gave me a big break because that took me to ninth from where I was on the start and then come around and I see that nine on the pit board I'm like all right getting three guys isn't too bad and then Joel had that mechanical at halfway and so did Hogue so that gave me two guys just I knew I had to pass Wesley was it for the overall because he finished right behind me in that um first moto so I was just like looking for Wesley kind of trying to catch him and the white flag came out and it was a lap to go and going by the mechanics area I was coming up the hill and he was just pressed in the back side of the hill so he had about six seconds on me and I guess he was having something going on on the bike or something so I just saw him coming and I saw him kind of bleeding a little bit on the last lap and I put my head down and just went to work and we took it all the way to the last turn and he really tried to defend it. But I came into that last turn and just was records or checkers at that point. Cause I wanted that podium spot really bad.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was going to ask, you know, cause in my mind I'm thinking there's no way he knows that, a that a sixth is going to get him, you know, a top three overall. But I mean, anybody that knows you knows that, uh, you're a thinker. So, I guess it shouldn't come as a surprise uh, to know that this whole time you're doing the math in your head, like knowing who you got to beat, and on the last lap you get that sixth place uh, six place spot, and three six gives you third overall. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's amazing. Like I said, you earned it. I'm super proud of you, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure the whole crew is too. Um, so hey, for the for the people that don't know, um, your nickname is the Foreman. Where did that come from?
3: Um, it come from the boys from last year, actually, just because they would do stuff in the shop, and I'd always get on to them about like keeping their area straight, and they would just say it was because I was kind of bossy, which I I just like a, to run a tight shift, you know, not have everything laying everywhere, and and I'm just like more authoritative than most people, so that's kind of where it came from.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. Well, apparently the the foreman uh, works through the weather because he got it done in the mud last week.
3: I think that mud race was. I mean, you couldn't ride it like a normal mud race. Like, when we went the, into Texas, the riding style was still go fast, but be in control. There, it was, like, slow way down to go fast. So, the track came right into my lap because I was, you know, riding with more of my, my head than that, like, record your checkered style, just overcharging the corners and stuff. I was doing everything I was comfortable with, yeah. which kept me up there so long which is awesome
0: yeah that's really well put because i was trying to explain that to somebody too like you needed to be really 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 careful not just because of the water and stuff and monitoring you know taking on the water but also because you had you couldn't get off that main line and uh so yeah yeah that was really well put you had mentioned a couple times already thomas brown um and yeah how he's a little bit a part of your program talk about how he's helped you um so far through your rookie year
3: oh he just is a great confidence and a bunch of things because if i it's like he's a top three pro top you know he's a top finisher in pro class and i get to ride with him every day so it makes me more comfortable and if i'm around him in a race i'm more comfortable being around him and then i'm not concerned with am i slower than the front guys like i'm used to running that pace i practice it every day and he has a lot of insight because he's been in the pro class for almost 10 years so he knows tricks to the trade that you only pick up with time and he teaches to me when I'm just starting. So it's nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you got a, you got an unfair advantage over those other guys and uh, yeah, to have somebody like him in your corner is invaluable most definitely. So tell our listeners like, um, like what it's like to line up in the pro class. I mean, what, what is it like, like to line up against the best guys in the world?
3: Well, I mean, when you get on that gate, the one thing you got to realize is everyone's paid their dues, whether it's the guy who's finished in first place, Chad, or the guy who's finishing last, you know, everyone in there is fully capable of being in there. And like people come up and talk to me and they're like, oh, you pulled like three whole shots in pro am. How come you can't get a whole shot in pro? I'm like, you're dealing with all the guys who were on this gate. They've all been the top a rider, the top pro am rider, the top whatever class they came out of. They are all professionals at this. They are. The masters going at it, it is quite scary because they'll do things that you don't even think are doable. So you just have to really trust yourself and your skill and realize you have to deserve to be there. Because as long as you ride like you deserve to be there, you'll hold your own against those guys. But the second you start questioning yourself, you're going to go right to the back of the pack.
0: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, like that whole pro class is guys that have won every step of the way to get to the pro class. And then you put all the very best guys together. I always explained it like it's a pack of bees. There's always guys around you. There's guys fast in front of you, and there's guys fast behind you. And if you mess up, there's gonna be guys right there. So uh, yeah, that was that was uh, some good insight there for sure. Um, and, and you're part of one of the most stacked rookie classes in recent memory that I can think of. With you know yourself and Brandon Hogue and um alan myers and uh so like take us through your mindset with that do you pretty much just worry about yourself like or do you do you um do you want to like beat those guys more than the other guys because they're part of the rookie class i mean how do you monitor that
3: i mean you just you know aim small miss small so you aim to go to the front and you hope you get there but you don't want to lose to anyone so you know, you don't want to get beat by anyone, but there's, everyone has their good days and bad days and you can't hang up on your bad days. Cause if you sit there and you just dwell over one person, if, if one race, you know, you go out there and say Hogue broke like he did, and I just want to beat Hogue. Does that mean it's like, okay, for me to get last cause I still beat Hogue. So, you know, you can't over-focus on that cause then it messes you up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I, I love the, love the way you think. Uh, and it's like, you're wise beyond your years. You're nineteen years old and you know uh you're already you're already ahead of the game. So uh man it's it's a lot of fun to listen to you. Um so I wanted to ask this because I think it's um a way that fans can relate to to the top riders like, like you. Um when you were coming up, like who did you look up to? Who did you like model yourself after?
3: There were the Miller boys and then a lot of time it was Natalie. but the Miller boys were more like locals. So from 7 to, from oh seven to 11, I was only racing like locals. We didn't start doing nationals until probably 11. And the Miller boys were quick and you just always wanted their speed. I mean, I would never really put anyone up on like a super high pedestal and be like, oh my goodness, they're untouchable. Just because of the fact that we all have to put, you know, the same gear on, you know, the same way we all wear the same we're all the same and everyone's beatable. And that's kind of how I was always taught is there's always someone faster out there. So, you know, it's just a matter of when that person comes up and don't get too overconfident about it.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's cool to hear that because, um, it's, it's been impressive because you've looked the part of a pro from the first gate drop of the year. Like, and I think a lot of that comes from your mindset. Um, so, pretty impressive so unidale is next and uh you won pro sport there right last year
3: um yes i won pro sport last year and i I led almost half of the pro-am race too i just made a small mistake and they passed me
0: oh okay okay so so is that uh you feel like that's a strong track for you
3: i mean it's a really good track the only thing that's going to be different is you know i've never done that pro section at the bottom of that hill which will add a kind of interesting twist to the track for me against the guys who've been doing it like Joe, Chad, and Nick, who've been doing it for a few years and got it figured out.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think, I think you'll find that, um, doing that pro section gives the track a little more flow because, um, that kind of tight, tight, you know, 90 degree corner, Um, I don't know you tell me after the weekend, but I think it, I think you're going to find more flow doing that pro section. Hey, I got one more question for you. This comes from a fan. Um, so this, this, uh, this fan's going to get some, some hundred percent, uh, goodies for asking this question. He asks what sacrifice, um, have you made to, what was the biggest sacrifice that you've ever made, um, to go racing?
3: Shoot. I mean the only thing that I could say that I really is the lack of like being able to go so I've been racing since seventh or since I was seven. So I've never known really anything else. But if I had to say like looking from the outside in would be the lack of like friends that are locally around me, like high school friends and actually getting to do high school things and free time. That'd be the two things that I've really lost is free time and friends from high school.
0: Yeah, well uh I I read um, in the team's post your mom's post that uh, you know it takes what was that quote it takes 10 years ten years to be an overnight success and uh, so it's kind of like all the sacrifices you made um, were kind of verified they were kind of made worth it because uh man you're a you are a pro class uh podium finisher and nobody's ever gonna take that away from you and that's something that not that many people can say because uh that was the first rookie to make the podium since two thousand eleven, correct? So that's pretty darn
3: nope. and it was also the first new guy, like you know, we've had we've had Joel, Chad, Thomas, and Jeffrey have been like the main four up there. Yep. I was the first one to actually break up those since sixteen, whenever Ronnie Higgerson got on the podium at high point. Oh really? wow which was another mud race as well
0: yeah yeah that's see like i don't know that's got to that's got to be pretty darn cool to uh just think about think about what you accomplished you know you should uh All right. you should be really proud like uh you earned it man
3: it's awesome the only thing that's going to be hard is trying to carry the momentum you know because you just want to do it again after you do it once because it's just such an awesome feeling
0: hey they say the they say the first one's the toughest one so uh Maybe it'll come a little easier now.
3: Hopefully it does. We'll see.
0: (laughs) Well, Cody, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us your time. Uh, We needed to get you on the show after, after the podium last weekend. So congrats again, super proud of you. And uh, we wish you the best in New York. Yep.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. It's awesome.
0: Thanks so much. So that was Cody Ford who was brought to you by DID racing chain, just like all of our, all of our rider interviews. And, I'm proud to bring our listeners coverage of probably the two biggest storylines from the weekend, um, the late race drama and charge up to the front with Chad's victory, as well as Cody Ford's first podium. Um, and now we're going to reintroduce Tyler Hamrick here. He's going to join the show again. And it was pretty cool to, to hear that in-depth post-race um, insight from the pro podium there. Probably not something you're going to hear really anywhere else, like I had mentioned earlier. So uh, yeah, what's up, Tyler? What's on your mind following those interviews?
1: oh a lot of things but before we get any further uh tell me more about them cst tires that you were talking about
0: oh dude so i'll tell you i i ran maxis i was with maxis for probably oh five years sounds about right 13 yeah 13 through 13 through uh 17 yeah so five years and um I was under the understanding that nothing could be as good as Maxxis tires. Mm-hmm. I bolt on the CSTs, and from the from the very beginning, was completely blown away. <laughs> the the front tire, the way the carcass is shaped, um, it like gives you superior turning ability. And then the rear tires, they have man the the side bite is incredible. The forward bite is great. the 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 compound of the tire is crazy soft and um not only that but they it's it, it doesn't even make sense but they hold up like better than anything i've used before so a lot of times when i tell people this exact story word for word um it's almost like it's too good to be true until they actually give them a try and they're also blown away so um literally every single rider that i've got to try these tires there's a 100 percent uh approval rating so and and the other thing, so when I started running CSTs, Maxis was still on the old style Maxis, and now Maxis has come up with a new tire and the carcass itself looks super similar to the CST. So um you can tell that uh that they caught on there. So yeah, the cst Paul S tire, amazing. So get out there and try it today, everybody. Uh there's a sponsor plug for you, but no, they're they're honestly amazing. So uh good to get an opportunity to talk about him there, but yeah, so, so about those interviews, like I said, it was awesome to hear insight from both of those riders, Chad battled through the pack, battled the conditions, battled, you know, without goggles, and, um, and I loved hearing him talk about setting up Thomas, you know, poor Thomas, Mm -hmm. but it's cool to hear him set up, uh, talk about setting up Thomas, and then that, that late race pass, so, uh, yeah, what'd you think about all that?
1: I thought that was really cool, uh, Another thing I wanted to ask is goggle swaps becoming more of a thing in motocross. I see, uh, they have a goggle lane in the moto GPs or GPs, And I know the motocross guys are starting to do it. And I heard Chad talking about that. Is, is that what you guys do nowadays?
0: Well, is that something? so I think a lot of that came from at the motocross of nations last year, the conditions were pretty, pretty sandy, pretty like wet, pretty saturated. And Mm -hmm. there was a a rider from overseas that, like, really, really messed up his eye. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Yeah, so I think that that's kind of where that started. Um, So, yeah, now they got that goggle lane, and you have to – I don't know if it's a trial year this year, and then it's official next year. I think that's how it goes. but. You can't ride more than one or two laps without goggles. It's a it's it's an actual rule.
1: No way. That's so, pretty that's pretty neat. It's different.
0: Well, yeah, for safety, man. Like
1: mm-hmm. so
0: I wear contacts and in a mud race, um it's like I can't take my goggles off. I've been there before and the contacts keep the keep the dirt and the sand in my eyes. So um it's almost impossible in the pro in my pro career. I had to ride some motos without goggles and uh oh, still to good. the yeah, still to this day I'm kind of paying the price for it. So I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that's going to there's a rumor that that's going to come to the states for the dirt bike stuff next year and maybe someday that makes it into the quad world too, but like Chad said, yeah. I mean, if your mechanic doesn't know that that's something you're going to do, that could I mean, you you could you could lose God, you could lose a, a quarter lap, a third of a lap maybe if he's got to dig in that backpack, find a p- pair of goggles and, and put them on and then have you go. So that's just um, – Yeah,
1: not not good. Even 10 seconds, you can't have that. Yes, that's, that's a spot at least.
0: And you knew it was pretty bad when Chad was thinking about that, you know, even yeah, considering yeah. it. Because I would figure at, at that point, um, you know, maybe uh, – you know, I don't, I don't know, but it's just hard to believe that that he was even thinking about it. It shows you how poor the conditions were. So.
1: Yeah, that's what it sound like. Sound like you got they're having some uh, 2013 luck with the rain. Yeah, every race. Some race. Yeah, every race, every race, so race far, is pretty every, muddy.
0: Every race so far has been pretty muddy, and there were some sections on the track where, like the in the first moto especially, like I had mentioned, I was the race before them, and there mm-hmm. was a, there was two puddles on the track that were really, really big, like legit water crossings where there was <laughs> like parts of my motor that were underwater. Like it was up to my fenders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so That's was, pretty wild. It was pretty um, bad.
1: What were they talking about a flagger in the Brandon hope situation? I'm not, I wasn't there. So I, I just heard what Chad yeah. had to say about it. What, what was the flagger doing?
0: Yeah. So I didn't totally uh, realize the quote unquote drama ahead of time. But afterwards, and and seeing the video of it, so I was watching all of this go down, and I'm watching Chad stalking Thomas, and I see a rider. I didn't know it was Brandon Hogue at the time, and he's stuck in the outside lane, which is two corners before the finish line, and um, you hit this t- this little this little tabletop thing, and then you go into this corner. So when you hit that face, you can't see. Um, The corner, you know, it's blind. You can't see the corner. And so Thomas hits that jump. He's already set up for the outside line, and there's Brandon Hogue. But being that that was blind, there was no flagger on the oh. tabletop. So there was – I don't think it was actually a flagger that was helping Brandon. There was just no flagger there. And I think that that's why Thomas was was upset, was there was no... No one telling
1: him to go to the outside. There was no flagger line. telling you yeah. to go
0: to the inside. So like Chad said, that could have been Chad. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if Chad goes to that same line he did the lap before that he almost got Thomas, um, he's going to be the one that's stuck. It's just that Thomas went to the outside line there to try to cover it, and, uh, and ultimately he's the one that got stuck behind him, and it was an easy pass for Chad. So... Like I said, poor Thomas, I feel terrible for him because he led, you know, all but, you know, two laps, two, two laps of that race. But um, Chad had kind of, you know, set it up the lap before by taking that really good line. He showed it to Thomas. Thomas went to take it the next lap and, you know, there's the, someone. Yeah. Right. The way luck yep. had it, there was there was Brandon there in it. It wasn't even like Brandon got stuck. Uh, I was told that his motor blew up, so that's where it—that's where the thing hooked, and I mean, there he sat.
1: So. Yeah, can't can't plan that.
0: Nah. So, uh, what do you do? But do you have anything else on the Chad on the Chad interview?
1: Um, I
0: also like the uh, when he
1: says something about the overheating light. I didn't realize uh, all has had those. I've been out of the game too long, so I guess that was kind of cool that they got a template on those
0: yeah i think that that's that's basically that that's that red light that comes from them you know from the factory i did think it was interesting that they're using them mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah you'd think that that kind of electrical thing would just be you know wired out or
0: grounded but out it's a really whatever. good it's a good thing to monitor that you're not overheating your stuff for sure yeah all right I got,
1: I got a question for you what do you think uh chad's big change was that he said he changed from the uh mx the nation sort of Quad across the nations from now, well, you yeah. said so he made a big change in his quad. I was wondering what that could have been.
0: So it wasn't from the the nations race. It was from uh, I think an Argentina race where they raced okay. like in the yeah, desert. Okay, yeah, that's right. But th- that's such a different type of racing. Yeah. Um, or not even uh, maybe not even the desert. It's more like the dunes. I think like the yes. sand dunes. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I would think it has to be suspension related for sure. That's,
1: that was my guess, something in the rear shock. I'm, Just I'm, the, I'm, that's uh, my guess.
0: Based off a couple things that he said, I would believe that it has to be suspension related. And uh, I was kind of watching him that day that he talked about testing um, at Sunset Ridge on a practice day. I was watching him a little bit and he was working on his suspension. So I can't uh, can't tell you specifics because I don't know him, but I mm-hmm. think it has to be uh, suspension related on that for sure. And I mean now we're going to Unadilla and he had mentioned, you know, that Joel's had a lot of success there. And, mm-hmm. uh, but so has he, he said, and in the interview we had with him last week, um, he talked about that, that Yamaha is faster than they've ever had it before, so
1: that'll uh, definitely help for if, the
0: yeah, if that's true. Um, horsepower. Right, if that's true, that's gonna that's gonna showcase itself more than ever before. Um at unadilla so uh so yeah that was awesome to hear from chad he was gracious with his time again this week so uh really appreciate that from him and like i said it was cool to hear that insight hear the way he's thinking about goggles and the racing and all this other stuff and uh kind of content you're not going to hear anywhere else so it's pretty pumped about that um so yeah so let's move on to cody ford then we heard from him and man he was a he was a really good interview i thought uh So, like, just being – he was so well thought out, and I would think that that probably helped him, you know, get that top three last weekend. You can tell just him and his team alike are, like, calculated. So my question was, you know, are are they, like, thinking out these scenarios ahead of the race? Because he made it sound like he knew basically where he needed to be. Um, Because in my mind, I'm thinking there's no way he knows that a top six is going to give him – you know, a podium spot, and he made it sound like he knew. So I thought his mindset really stood out.
1: Yeah, I was impressed. I've never heard uh, Cody Ford talk before, and you would think that he was a veteran pro, by the way. He carried himself on the show, so that was pretty interesting and cool to see. But, uh, yeah, getting on the podium as a rookie, that's something that we all strive to do and never – I don't want to say we came up way short, but we did. And he just knocked it out, and what you say is – fourth or fifth pro race his, which, which yeah, was
0: the sixth attempt his Sixth, yeah yep. so
1: that's that's really impressive and to hear that he was doing the math and knew that he had to beat what was it, alan myers wesley
0: wesley, for Wolf.
1: wesley. man I'm messing that up
0: but he
1: uh he knew what he needed to do to get on the podium so that's that's pretty wild to be uh thinking all of that through yeah. the mud race as a rookie and you got all this other stuff going on and the fact that he was just swapping a motor minutes before going to the line that's got to be nerve-wracking too
0: yeah, I uh, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be you know on a on the pro podium, especially in your rookie year. I just I can't oh, man. even I can't even imagine. Um, and then, like I had mentioned to him, such a stacked rookie class, and then to be the first guy to get um, that podium as a rookie, like it's got to be yeah. it's got to be pretty prideful, I would think, for him. Yeah,
1: just think of all the rookies since you know we've gone or when we went pro to. Think of all the riders that were rookies at one time that never never did that. And then here he comes, sixth race, and boom, in a mud race with a stacked class, he's yeah. up on the podium. So. So,
0: so he had mentioned also that other than Chad, Joel, Jeffrey, and Thomas, he was the first guy to grab a podium finish since 2016 at High Point when Ronnie Higgerson did. So that's... Three full yeah. years, that the podium was always some four combination riders. of those four riders, and he broke that up, which is again pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, that that's actually the last uh, national race I was at at High Points, so and I was there. I remember Ronnie getting on the podium, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I remember. See
1: that? So I remember that day. That was a that was another mud race.
0: And you know, I always I was telling my uh, my crew at the racetrack last weekend. You know, he basically did exactly what, like, I always thought I was going to be able to do um, as a pro. Because I always thought if we have a mud race, I'm a good mud rider. Or if I feel like I'm a good mud rider. I always thought, man, if I get a start, I will be able to stay up front. So he basically, like, that's word for word what I told my guys. I'm like, if if he he did exactly what I imagined I would do in my pro career, that sometime I was going to be able to put a good start together in a mud race and and grab a podium or somewhere close to it. And I never did it. And he pulled it off and then he did it. The first moto, he got a good start and stayed in the top three. The second moto, he got a bad start. And I'm like, man, you know, like he blew it. That's, that's what I thought. Like, um, and, uh, man, he clawed his way to the front, did enough to get that top three spot. And I, man, I thought that that was, uh, that was amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, not an easy task, especially in the, uh, mud. If you get a bad start, there's no telling what could happen. You're eating, your machine's eating a whole lot of more mud, water, your goggles, so you just never know what to expect. And then he had some luck go his way, which no one's ever going to turn down some luck going their way, so.
0: No, and, and that's pretty cool. And, and that's why I, um, in a, in a different media, um, obligation earlier in the week I was listening to some comments from the team from his team and uh, they made it sound like there was people out there that were saying that he didn't earn it and I wanted to make sure I told him that he earned it and that we were proud yeah. of him because man in the pro class with all those fast guys and all you that take good you equipment can get. like you don't just luck into an overall podium
1: you No, know? it just doesn't no. happen um, no, especially on a day like that.
0: No, so I give him a lot of credit. He earned it and uh, and did what he needed to do for two motos and got an overall. So again, I thought I was super impressed by his mindset.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
0: He does not sound like a rookie. He doesn't look like a rookie, and uh, I was I was super impressed. And another guy that had a really good uh, a really good ride going on paper, but it doesn't show on paper was Alan Myers because in the first yeah. moto he was right with. Cody Ford or at least in that realm and then he had uh he had a pretty pretty bad wreck in one of those water crossings that i talked about so um maybe he's the next guy that's gonna gonna make some waves from that rookie class because uh he's another fast dude
1: yeah i, I wouldn't be surprised at that either he looks seems like he's been knocking on the door for the podium all season long I've seen he's been running up front and it's really cool to see rookies get up front and mix it up with them top four or five guys because for a while, you just never seen that coming out of new guys in the class. So, no,
0: yeah. So, we'll definitely see. love seeing it. We'll see, but yeah, that like I said, I think it's pretty apparent that this rookie class is the best one in a while. Um, and like I said, so Unadil is up next. We'll see if we'll see if Cody Ford, what he can do if he can continue that success. And, uh, but man, I love, I love Unadilla. I always loved it there. Yes, I had some of my best rides there. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, I think I had my, my best, uh, pro overall pro overall was there um so i got a i got a seventh there a couple years ago but um nice nice you had some good rides there too right yeah not not too uh
1: not too bad um won a couple pro-am motos there i got i thought a pro-am overall in 2013 um that was a pretty good race between me and brett music and i think vitel kazanavi was on the podium too he was always good to race with um but um I was gonna ask you what are your predictions for next week's race? Who you got?
0: Ooh. So I don't think that you can bet against Joel Hetrick up there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I Can't don't think do it. Yeah, I mean that's where he's been he's been pretty like there's a couple tracks on the schedule that um Joel Can't has just touch been him. yeah, Joel's been dominant at and I think that you know is clearly one of them. That's why I'm so intrigued to see if between Chad's updated setup and the more motor that he says he has, I want to see what that's like. Um, and he, like he said, he said he had some some good rides there, but Joel's tough um, up there for sure. And then the, I know that I know that Thomas uh, either doesn't like that track or he hasn't had that much success there. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see how that plays out, Um, you know, so between, like, that top three spot, you know. Yeah, I'd like to
1: see Jeffrey get get a nice whole shot and run up front. I know he does pretty good at that track, so
0: it'd be cool
1: to see him run up front.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens there. I know Janusa had a good ride there in the second moto last year. He got a third.
1: Um, okay.
0: so that's kind of up in his neck of the woods. So maybe that's why he yeah. feels a little more comfortable up there. So like I said, we'll see there's so many storylines right now and the racing so good in that class that it should be, should be super interesting, um, to see how it plays out. And you never know, like when we go out to Unadilla, um, every class for the series is some, it's just got a little bit different vibe. There's some different yep. racers. Um, it's kind of a different style track, kind of an old school style style layout. And, um, just creates some good racing. It's a different buzz up there, and that's one of those ones that I kind of circle on the calendar. So. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, always a good time up in deal. I love that track. Yeah, me fun. too.
0: Me too. The vibe is just, uh, just awesome. So, yeah. So I got to thank our guests uh, for for coming on the show again this week, Chad Weenan, um, Cody Ford, Tyler Hamrick. Can't thank you enough for joining us. And before I let you Thanks go, for me. yeah, before I let you go, pal. So when we were putting together um, the show. After I had done the interviews with the other guys, Chad Weenan shot us a fan question for our fan oh. question segment. So uh, I got nice. no, I got nobody left to interview other than you. So I got you here now. Oh,
1: man, I'm in the hot seat now.
0: <laughs> I'm going to ask you this question. So Chad shot me a message, and he said, uh, he said what would you rather be, a whole-shot artist with mediocre speed or bad fast with terrible starts? Tough, <laughs> tough, tough question.
1: Oh, man. Um, I feel like probably the second one because that's what I was. I never got good hole shots, so
0: yeah, yeah. So I, was,
1: I really, I guess I wasn't really bad fast Neither So I guess I'd take that one. I'd rather be a little bit faster <laughs> than I was. I would probably go with that.
0: Yeah, you'd rather be bad fast with terrible starts and make the best of it. So
1: yeah, I'd have to go with that.
0: In my mind, I thought, um, I thought, man, give me a start and let me see what I can do. But then the more I thought about it, and I actually we were talking about it around the dinner table. Um, mediocre, I was thinking in my head means like medium. It means like middle of the pack. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. if I get a whole shot and I'm mid pack speed, that means I'll I'll stay in the front half of the pack. You know. So mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. I'm say I'm fifth in some races that might mean third. But I'm if I'm fifth in every race, man, I'm going to be pretty good. Well, mediocre, yeah, that. mediocre actually means like not very good, you know, yeah, or of yeah. poor quality. So I don't yeah, want, I don't, I want I don't yeah, I don't want to get a start and then go right back to the back because I'm going to look uh, not very impressive. So if, no. that's the, if that's the case, I'd change my answer to being crazy fast and not not get good starts. but uh, man, Yeah, because you could get a,
1: a top five start and, you know, work your way up towards the front if you're that bad fast. You exactly.
0: Know? You know, you talk about the talk about the guys that are bad fast, and it almost is like the guy that gets the whole shot is the guy that wins these races. You know, there's mm-hmm. if Joel gets the whole shot, I mean. He's well, he probably, gets
1: good starts and he's bad he's fast. He's probably so. going to
0: win when Chad gets a hole shot his chances of winning are obviously way more and i mean even Thomas thomas is probably i would argue that thomas has had his best race of the year or his best season of his career so far and i think a lot of it is because he's been getting some pretty darn good starts
1: yeah yeah definitely i think his his wins come, a win for him is coming this year
0: well he already got an overall he got an overall at yeah. Texas. and uh, that's right that's a right. home event so and um, another one that sticks out to me, so obviously last weekend he, he just about won the second moto. He DNF'd the first moto, um, but he almost won the second moto. And at the race prior to that, in the second moto at Muddy Creek, I mean, he stayed right with Joel and Chad for pretty much that whole race. So his speed is, is better than it's ever been before. And that's why, not to mention Cody Ford again, um, mm-hmm. To I think – Him being in Cody Ford's corner is invaluable. Oh, it's
1: helping. Yeah, it's
0: invaluable for that kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking of with all these mud races, it seems to be like the people that are doing good in the mud have a stock quad also and race it. So maybe during the week when it's raining, they're getting out there more and they're not afraid to beat up on the equipment because they got that stock quad. So they're used to riding in the mud.
0: It might be that... Man, I wish I had a Yamaha to uh Same. to be able to race that class. I was trying pretty hard in the off season to get one and just couldn't pull it off, but that class looks like so much fun. Um oh, and yeah. those guys the thing that blows your mind is those guys are going like it doesn't look like they're going barely any slower than they are riding their race quads. Like they're doing all the jumps on the tracks. It's amazing. They're killing it. Yeah, just a lot quieter. Yeah <laughs> yeah. It's like you can hear the tires over the uh Yeah over the engine it's crazy so yeah that's a that's a that's an interesting question but either way man it looks like looks like a blast what those guys are doing oh
1: yeah yeah it's a good thing for the sport i wish i was out there on the stock class that's for sure
0: yeah yeah well you got anything one else day before? maybe yeah maybe you got anything else before we let you go pal
1: um i think that's it i think i'm ready uh ready to get this uh unadilla race going and see what the results are going to be and see uh uh what we got going on
0: yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see but uh yeah so thanks again thanks for to, thanks to all our guests thanks to you hammy for coming on i appreciate it you were a big part again and uh making this happen kind of convincing me you shot me a message and said hey man i think you can do an atv pod like this and i said i'm already ahead of you we are yeah mm-hmm. we already were uh trying to pull it together so it's been a lot of work but uh as we Kind of start to finish up episode two here. Uh, really looking forward to continuing to grow this thing and just add content to um, to the community because that was something that I wanted to make clear was that there was no competition. It's not you know it's not my podcast against other forms of ATV media. I just wanted mm-hmm. I just wanted to add to the pot. You know I just wanted yep. to create more coverage for the sport kind of maybe different coverage that's why i'm trying to you know we try to dig deep we try to get you some info that you wouldn't have had anywhere else and uh that's what the whole goal to my show is is just to create more media um not not uh step on anybody's toes because i mean let's be real there's not enough coverage of these sports especially for the people like us that love it so i just Mm -hmm. want to bring more to the more to the atv community and uh Cause it's not crowded in here. So, uh, so yeah. Hmm. So again, can't thank you enough for coming. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, thank man, you. Man, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you. We'll have you on another time soon.
1: Oh, I appreciate it, man.
0: Take all it right. easy. All right. Thanks so much. So yeah, we th- we appreciate uh, all you got, all you listeners. We brought sixty six percent of the the pro podium um, to the show this week, which I'm pretty proud of. We tried to have Joel Hatrick. Um, he seemed really excited about it. But uh, then communication stopped, and I have a sneaking suspicion that the team wouldn't let him speak. So just know that we tried to bring Joel Hedrick on. Um, I hope to have him on at some point in the future, maybe even for a full show feature. But, uh, yeah, so know that we tried, um, which leads me into our live show coming up at Redbud. Um, so it'll be live on social media, um, or you can come hang hang out with us in person, There'll be more details to come, but it's going to be at no cost to you. We'll have Chad Wienan. I hope to have Thomas Brown, who uh, has been excited about the show and wants to come on. I'd like to think that we can get uh, Jeffrey Rastrelli on, whether he's on the team this year or not. Um, I don't think that there's been an official word on what the who the three-rider team is yet, but no matter what, he was on the, the team last year um, in victory representing us and Team USA, so I'd really like to have him on to listen to his insight and, uh, I mean, man, we'll try. We'll try to get Joel Hetrick on. We'll see if we can get him. Um, so, yeah, so so know that. Put that on your calendar. If you're going to be at Redbud or if, if you weren't planning on it, maybe you should because you're not going to want to uh, miss this. All those stars of, of the ATV motocross community coming together for a conversation, and I don't know that, uh, that we've ever had that before. Uh, not that I can remember, so... Circle that on the calendar, mark that down. Um, the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is putting that together, and we're pretty excited about it. So, um, Also, i got to thank our sponsors, CST Tires, CSTTires.com, DID Racing Chain, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, DP Brakes, 100% Goggles and their new Armega Goggle out now, Armega.com. You can check them out there. Um, unparalleled performance for the modern racer. So just remember uh the sponsors make all of this possible for us make the make the show possible so support the brands that support us and uh, again thanks to all thanks to all of our listeners, our growing fan base um we couldn't do it without you and it wouldn't wouldn't make any sense for us to do this uh if if we didn't have listeners and people that were excited about it so the the response has been amazing so far and uh if you're uh a t v enthusiast if you're a lover of a t v racing be sure to you know, Tell your friends about us, share our posts, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite podcast apps we're on. So just continue to uh, help us out, help us grow, and uh, let people know about what we're doing here. So, And, and give us a review, that helps us too, um, or shoot me a message if you like it, if you don't like it, shoot me a message. And uh, all, the, all the, the positivity that we've got so far, it's been amazing. The, I'm getting stopped at street corners, it seems like. Everybody that I see at the races is pumping up the pod, and um, I can't thank you enough. This is just the beginning of something that hopefully can continue to grow and be great, and we're going to continue to dig deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Um, so, yeah, guys, that's Episode 2. I'm Cody Jansen, and until next time, thanks for listening.